You guys expecting any rain up that way? Uh, we're supposed to have some rain about 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. It's like a 45-50% chance. Yeah, is it supposed to be much or just a little drizzle? Sure. I, the last time I looked, it was, a, it was supposed to be a whole lot. We'll see. They tend to change it last minute. Yeah. I think every little bit helps at this point. Yes, it does. So is Big Duck already open, or are you going into the opener this weekend? Tomorrow is the opener. Okay. For the North Zone. And the North part of where in the North Zone where you are, uh, whereabouts? Like, what's the closest big city to you? Um, Mason City, probably thirty thousand people. Okay. That's the closest. I mean, if people know where Des Moines at, I'm two hours straight north of Des Moines. And Des Moines on the river, isn't it? Uh, no, Des Moines would be, it's like right in the middle of Iowa. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. Minneapolis, St. Paul, I'm two hours south of there. Yes. Yeah, right so, the that's, uh, that's actually where my, my fiance is from. So. I have a lot of family that lives up there, my mom's side anyway. Uh, that's a beautiful area up there, man. But you guys just got wrapped up with teal season, right? Um, September 16th, teal season ended up here. It's been a how'd couple that, weeks. How'd the season go for you? Oh, I got one day's worth of two-man limit. That was the only day I was able to go out. I ended up having to work a bunch. It didn't really work out. I don't get too worked out about teal season. Big duck season, I get a little bit more antsy about having to work. Is what it is. One day we were out. We did good. We'd have had our limit a lot sooner if we'd have been shooting a little straighter. Yeah, had to knock the rust off. That's how that first hunt goes. We're about field season. Get the rust knocked off before the real fun starts. Yes, sir. You sent me a couple of videos on Snapchat. I saw a wood ducks, and I think it might have been a mallard hen in there. I'm not sure, but uh, I saw some other ducks besides teal, right? a bunch around a lot of local birds um, i don't know about where you're at here we have a lot of birds that nest here so i see first two weeks of the season we're shooting all birds that have been here all summer most of the time and from what you saw from a nested perspective so yeah down here south carolina we don't have many local birds uh, if we do they're all they're all wood ducks um that's about it. But from a from a nesting perspective up there, how was the hatch thick? Um, I want to say it was a little better than normal, but I think that's kind of swayed just the amount of dry areas we had. I think they were more consolidated than anything else. But we saw, I mean, out fishing in the summer, once they started hatching, a lot of young ducks hatching and geese and everything. So. It seemed like it was pretty good around here, anyway. And is this your first time out scouting right now for Big Duck? I know you're heading out there now. I don't know if you plan to camp out or if you're just trying to get a good eye on the roost. No, I'm just I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna sleep my pickup at the ramp. Um, I was out Wednesday night checking a couple of spots, and where I'm on the way to now, there was a bunch of ducks moving around, some wood ducks, some mallards, and some geese. Could be a good. I do a lot of bass fishing in some of the areas where I hunt in the fall. I try to kind of keep an eye on where they're hanging out all summer, where the food's growing, all that kind of stuff, and make note of where everything's at. Try to make a game plan off of that. And now, being that it was a little bit of a drier year, and I know water's down, you know, in that last Snapchat you sent me where the you were back in the truck down. Do you think food growth has been pretty well? Are pretty good. So um, some of the lakes that are not really managed as far as water level, I'd say there's definitely more growth on the shoreline. Um, one of the big areas where we hunt a lot, they actually drain it all summer anyway, and then bring the water levels back up in the fall just for that purpose. So the DNR actually drains the water out of it during the summer and lets everything grow up and then floods it back in the fall. Man, that's a that's a great program. I wish a lot of other places did stuff like that. Yes, really. I mean, the one area, and it's just two counties up here that run that area. 
other than that, everything's just whatever the water level stakes out to be. That's what it is. And from a, a big duck perspective, what kind of species are you guys looking at when big duck really starts to take off or maybe even open the morning? So what kind of ducks are you thinking you're going to see tonight and tomorrow morning? Honestly, tomorrow morning, probably going to be a lot of teal and a lot of wood ducks. Seems to be early in the year. We you know, we shoot a lot of teal. And we get some mallards around, wigeons every once in a while. And as we get later in the season, we get more and more mallards showing up. Gadwall, wigeons. See a few pintail every year, and then we start getting into like divers, like ringnecks. See a couple groups of redheads every year. It's a pretty diverse bag most of the time. And so you said the the divers, like the ringnecks and the redheads, those normally show up later in the year as well? They'll show up, you know, end of October, first part of November usually, and we start seeing good numbers of them. So what about like a hot time of the year? Is that going to be like November? Is your season pretty much done around December? Like what's your hot time? October, first part of November. Um, depends on when the weather starts turning cold, really. Um, and then, you know, we'll have birds that hang around clear through January as long as they can find open water. So we'll have, we'll be out goose hunting late December and have mallards work on our goose decoys three weeks after our big duck's eating the closes. That's crazy. And, and in that area, do you guys have any running water that stays open and that's why they hang around or? Um, so one of the bigger lakes around me, they have an oh, aerator and then the geese will get in there and they'll actually keep it open off of that aerator most of the year. And then some of the other smaller ponds, they have channels that run through them. And the current will keep them open if there's geese around. The geese seem to do a really good job of keeping everything thawed out and open. So, and then a mile from my house, there's a functioning rock quarry. And that, unless it gets really cold, stays open year-round. And if it's open, as long as the snow doesn't get too deep, we've got geese and ducks that'll stay all winter. And that kind of later part, everything else is locked up except that quarry. Are they just roosting on that quarry, the quarry ponds, and then you're trying to catch them coming to feed? Right. Yeah, they, they roost on that quarry pond, and we catch them a lot, you know, set up cornfields type stuff and get them when they come out and feed. If you could give me one minute, I'm going to let this dog out of the truck quick before he yeah, can smell. Yeah, go ahead, man. Okay, I'm back here. All right, good deal. Oh, how old is the pup, man? Here's old, actually. Up there. Sorry, seven. Maybe eight in January. You're born in 2016. I saw a couple of uh, videos on your Snapchat or not Snapchat, Instagram. It looks like he still moves around pretty good, though. Oh yeah, he gets around real well. Bounces around just like a puppy half the time. <laughs> so I know you mentioned that you said you weren't necessarily going to camp out and hunt because, you know, a lot of times pressure gets so bad where I'm at locally that people just camp a day, two days, three days in the hole just to make sure they got their spot. What is the hunting pressure like up there around you? Oh, it, it gets pretty pressured. That's why I'm here now. Well, Iowa anyway. You're not allowed to have a blind or decoys on the water until midnight. So we can't leave the boat ramp until midnight. So as soon as and midnight you... rolls around, I'll be 
turning the motor on and heading out. Yeah, and are you at the ramp now? I yeah, I just pulled into the parking lot. And you the first truck there or There's somebody out fishing, other than that, I am in. So Awesome. Which is a good sign too. Water drying up, you know, everybody's gonna be a lot more consolidated on what areas they go to. You think there'll be a, quite a few people out on the same place that you're about to go on? Not sure. Um, we hunt out here a couple times a year usually, and I've never seen more than one other per, one other group out here. This is the first time I've hunted this lake for opening weekend. We'll see what it looks like. And so, how long have you been duck hunting, waterfowl hunting as a whole? Um. I started going with my dad. I was two and a half years old. So I've been at it 27 now. Started shooting the 20 gauge when I was uh, eight or nine. And then really started getting hard into it. High school, I hunted a lot with my buddies. And I kind of slacked off on it for a couple years. Out when I was fresh out of high school, had other interests in mind. And then the last four or five years, I've really been getting going hard at it. Whenever I get the time anyway. And you do a good mix of hunting on the water and some dry field hunting as well, right? Uh, yeah. Most of the time, if there's open water, I'll only go dry field hunting if my grandpa's going to go. He's he's 85 this year. So getting in and out of a boat is kind of tricky for him. So I really like to go out, you know, go out with him as much as I can. And doing that in the field is just so much easier for him. Other than that, I'm going to hunt water up until it's frozen solid and I can't and then I'll transition over and we'll start field hunting geese and do you have a preference over one or the other do you prefer the water or the dry field I would much rather hunt water if I find birds in a field and I find birds in water I'm choosing water every time and if you don't mind me asking why do you think that is oh I just I've always liked being out in the boat and I don't I, I can't really explain it. I just love the water a lot more and all year round. You know, I fish all summer long. I just like being around the water. It makes me happy. That makes any sense. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you, man. I think one of the uh probably recurring topics that I've talked about in, in multiple podcasts so far is I, I can't actually talk myself into going dry field hunting. And I know that that limits birds, you know, because they're not always gonna be using just the water it might be dry years and they're consolidated in fields and farm ponds for the most part that i can't get to but i just cannot talk myself getting into a field man uh, to me duck hunting is putting the waders on putting the boat in the water and you know sitting up against the tree or in some cattails and I, I just that's what i like to do and i just i can't bring myself to field hunt i hear you yeah well i just i, I kind of agree with you i've much rather hunt out of the boat or run the boat up sit on shore whatever i've got to do but the water is definitely where it's at for me and i know you're in the north part of iowa do you get to travel around the state at all when other zones open up or do you just stick to your well, zone for the most part i hit the central zone quite a bit there's one bigger lake um, that i hunt down there quite often it's actually the one i was telling you about that the whole lake is no wake lim no wake speed limit. And that I got into that really hard when my now wife, we were dating at the time, was going to college down there in the central zone. I found that while I was going down there visiting her when she was in school. Other than that, I pretty much stick to the north zone. And what about traveling to other states? I know we talked a little bit earlier today. You said you've always been interested in going down to Arkansas and doing timber hunts, but do you get to travel anywhere else to bird hunt? Uh, when time off from work and money allows, yeah. I've been to South Dakota once. We've got a really good family friend that lives out in Brookings. And then I've been to Missouri. We used to go every spring snow goose hunting. And I've been down there duck hunting in the fall once. We've got some really good family friends down there. And then every once in a while, I'll get up into Minnesota with some of my buddies from high school that live up there. And I'd, I'd really like to go down and do like the Arkansas timber. And all seems like everybody you talk to that duck hunts, that's always been the dream. Go shoot mallards in the flooded timber. And I've got a long list of bucket list hunts that I want to do that 
I don't know if I'll ever get around to doing them, but someday I might. Yeah, the the timber man. That's one that everybody's really got to experience at least once. When it's uh when it's right, it's right. When it's it's not right, it's like any other duck hunt. But uh, it, it's always a fun experience. But aside from Arkansas, what's some other hunts on your bucket list? Um, I'd like to get up to Canada at some point. I don't know if that'll ever happen anymore um, with all of the COVID stuff that they've got in place. Um, North Dakota has always been kind of on the list. The one that I'd really, really love to do that I'll probably never be able to afford, I really want to go up to Alaska and shoot an emerald goose or emperor goose. But I don't I don't think that one's ever going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm not sure what the trip looks like cost-wise for Emperor Goose, but I know to go up there and to yeah. get on the Eiders and the Harlequin, it's about five grand a person. Yeah, I know them Emperor Geese, I think, I think it's Emperor. Um, it's what I was reading, non-residents, they only allow like 50 tags a year to go to non-residents. And it's pretty, pretty strict as to what you can do. You can shoot one a year if you get a tag kind of deal. I'm sure it's not at all cheap to do. Yeah, but uh, getting around and chasing it's part of the fun. Oh, is, absolutely. So we talked about a couple of the species you guys get up there in North Iowa. You said primarily, you know, you'll get your mallards later in the year and they stick around. The ringnecks and the redheads will come in a little bit later. Have you have you killed any – uh? Do you get any green wing teal? Do you get some other kind of rare species of diver that might come through? Yeah, we get, you know, a decent amount of green wing teal. Seems like they're almost later in the year once it starts cooling off. You know, the blue wings have all moved on at that point before the green wings even show up. Every once in a while, we'll see some canvas backs. Um, I've heard of a guy shooting um, the golden eye not far from my house. I've personally never seen one. And then, you know, we see a lot of canvas backs in the spring when they come back through. But mostly it. Some pintails, like I said. But as far as divers, that's redheads and ringnecks, the occasional bluebill and buffleheads is what we see the most of. And with all those species kind of in mind and the other places you have traveled to hunt, do you think Iowa's pretty is it like is it satisfying to be uh, a resident of Iowa and duck hunt Iowa pretty much year round or do you think it leaves a lot to be desired because i know some other states you know people aren't happy with where they live because there aren't a lot of birds but do you think Iowa is probably is sustainable and it has enough to keep you happy as far as hunting i i would say it does um it really depends on you know if they're here we've had years where the hunting was just poor we didn't see a whole lot of birds, and we've had years that were fantastic and great. But overall, the average year, I'm fairly satisfied. As long as you know, willing to go out and do the work and find them, you can usually get on birds pretty well. When you say get on birds pretty well, you know that that kind of definition of pretty well it, it varies a lot from person to person. And for me, pretty well is a, you know a couple birds, two, three birds. That's that's pretty well if I'm hunting locally. Uh, my home state now is that is that true for you there and do you guys get to a point where you know you you can get a limits a few times every year yeah we as long as you know the birds are here we definitely scratch out limits several times a year um you know pretty well i'd go out and shoot four or five birds you know i I would consider that really good Um, see a lot around especially bigger water there tends to be a lot of birds hanging around most of the time i have gone out you know and there's been times where three weekends in a row and i won't tire a shot those years are kind of sucks but they're by far not the norm and kind of recalling recent memory uh, as have you had more years where it's been rough or more years where it's been pretty good the last five years you've been doing it pretty hard well the last five years i'd say We've had more good years than bad years for sure. Um, two to three years ago, it's pretty rough. Other than that, they've all been really good, actually. As far as at least seeing birds and then getting them to work. And, and similar to everything else kind of out in the Midwest and the and 
the planes right now have the last few years been pretty dry for you or is this one kind of been an anomaly um this one's definitely the worst one in the last few years the last couple have been fairly dry though um, the lakes have been consistently you know a foot low foot and a half low this time of year so it's by far not i mean unnormal to be this dry for us but it's drier than the average year for sure and it, it's pretty low at the moment. And how does that kind of change your game plan, you know, public hunting on these dry years? Do you kind of, of course, the birds are going to be consolidated where the water is, but what what kind of game plan do you think of before you actually hit the road and start looking, you know, as far as what do you think these birds are going to be doing? Um, biggest thing I look for is, you know, can I get my boat in for one, or am I going to have to walk? And then I just, a lot of the places they have water in them, but they're too low to the point where you can't launch a boat. So I'll go out and a couple of days after work, drive through some areas with a spotting scope and look around. And then base off of that, like Thursday night, usually I try to get off work early enough. I can get the boat out or I can go walk out into some of those spots where I've seen birds from the road and go in and try to figure out where they're sitting during, you know, in the afternoons anyway where they're sitting, kind of where they're trying to feed. And then later in the year when we're field hunting, I'm going to try to get off and I'll sit on the roost until they leave and then, you know, follow them to where they're feeding. And if I don't have permission, go knock on doors and try to get permission. Kind of... One thing, go ahead, sorry. No, you go ahead. Um, one thing that is definitely going to change this year with the low water, definitely probably leaving the house a lot earlier more often just to try to beat the people because i think more than the birds the other hunters are going to be more consolidated for sure this year yeah that makes a lot of sense i think um you know that's that's probably some advice that everybody needs to take into account this year which there's some people that probably don't want to hear that <laughs> that they need to wake up earlier and there's some people that probably don't want to hear uh other hunters getting told that they need to wake up earlier because that means they're figuring something else out but you know again we're all chasing these birds right we all need to it's it's best to kind of put that advice out there so at oh, least you're, you're making note of that absolutely and, and kind of speaking about you know how your game plan changes a little bit and where you're going to be looking and what you've seen so far like you're rolling into open morning in the morning what do you think as far as like a migration index right now? Do you think you're seeing more birds than you normally see on an opening day or do uh, you think the birds are a little bit lower numbers right now? Um, honestly, as far as birds around in the area, I feel like there's more this year for this time of year than there has been in years past. I don't know if it's just because it's drier farther north of us or what. Um, I know they are picking corn here. I don't know what harvest looks like up farther north so i don't know if that plays an impact if they're picking that much earlier that they're feeding stuff out earlier but i'd say just from the lake that i'm sitting at now and the other one i went and looked at thursday there's definitely more birds as far as opening morning goes than there has been in the last couple of years and it's interesting you say that i talked with Jaden a couple of weeks back who's in um a little bit north of you in southwest minnesota and, um, you know, he mentioned that farmers are being able to get on the fields a little bit early. And then I, I put a video out about it on TikTok talking about it, too, because hunters oftentimes, you know, they get worried about that major snowfall being able to cover up food. But like you said, you know, if birds have been able to get on there because farmers have been able to get on two to three weeks early for the harvest. If birds have been on there two to three weeks early being able to eat, you know, is there a scenario where they're essentially eating? eating themselves out of a home up north and that's what's causing them to kind of push down a little bit further to you oh i would absolutely agree with that i said you know earlier a little bit ago we said you know a couple years ago was probably the worst year i've seen for bird numbers and that was another year where the farmers started picking corn at least a lot earlier than normal so i i really think that they're feeding themselves out of food earlier than they would on a normal year and then they're having to move on because they need to find that food. And you guys in Iowa right now, are you, is the harvest started a couple weeks early or? 
yeah, there's there's some fields that are coming out. Um, corns definitely seems to be starting earlier. And usually it's now that we're starting to see people picking corn. And there's been guys that I've seen on my way home from work that have been picking corn for two weeks. So it, I'd say it definitely started a little bit earlier than normal. Yeah, and that's, that's again, interesting in itself all alone. And kind of going off that just a, a, a little bit further, you know, you said you mentioned that the last kind of bad year that you had was similar conditions to this. Um, does that kind of make you think that these birds might be, if they do migrate down, they might not stay as long or they might migrate out of Iowa just a little bit early as well? I it kind of seem in that way. Like I said, they seem to be moving down earlier. And when they seem to move into Iowa earlier, I definitely say they leave my area earlier but i'll just you know take it week by week and see what happens what's around yeah i'm curious to see how this works out as well if i'm being honest because you know if they've already started to come down just a little bit earlier and i'm sure it's a combination of you know we've got a couple cold plunges already come through um that's true on our side too and at least you know weather side from when i looked over there and like even down to oklahoma they were a little bit colder last week they've warmed up a little bit but i'm assuming that that kind of little cold snap or little cold front happened up your way as well is that right yeah we had about a week there where it was getting pretty cool at night almost you know down into the high 30s and then it warmed back up it's 83 degrees here right now i don't know if that'll hold them here or push them back north even maybe but definitely see like colder weather definitely seems to affect them for sure and with that the you know a little bit colder weather and then every everywhere essentially being dry i'm just i wonder what that migration looks like you know from an early standpoint because it's dry from minnesota all the way down to texas right now and i don't know that there's a lot of places from a public standpoint at least you know that have the water they need to sustain a good amount of bird numbers so it's almost making me think that for most of the season, the birds are just going to be bouncing around according to what happens with weather. Like if a storm rolls in a little bit north of them, those birds might go further north, you know, just to bounce back and forth. I'm not sure how it'll happen, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting year to kind of be chasing them. Yeah, it's it's definitely one to keep track of and keep in the memory banks if we have another year like this to kind of remember what they did and what to expect for sure. And like keeping memory bank and, you know, just kind of trying to remember season by season what conditions look like. Do you do any of that tracking? Do you have any kind of notes that you keep on your phone? Or do you use Onyx and drop pins with a, you know, with a markup or anything like that? I, I do the Onyx a lot. I drop pins. And I do that all summer long, too, where I'm seeing birds. And then as I see them more often, it gets later in the year, I start changing colors on pins. And I've always kind of threatened to keep a journal. And I haven't done it yet. I should. Um, you know, it's weather and, you know, what we're seeing for birds during that weather during this time of the year. I just, I haven't started it yet, but I kind of feel like I should, so I have that recorded. Yeah, I've always kind of wanted to do that, and I've I've done a little bit as far as notes on my phone and certain areas I've hunted and the conditions I hunted them in, and then I'm constantly looking back at water level data and trying to match it with other conditions. And it's interesting to hear, you know, last Earlier this week, I talked with uh, Billy from Dr. Duck, and he was telling me he used to do the same thing. Uh, and, and not too long ago, he just scrapped it. So he he quit taking any notes, quit taking a log of it, he said, because it was kind of just distracting him from going out there, period. And he was more worried about just being able to get out there than telling himself, hey, he's not going to kill birds today, so he might as well sleep in. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it could get to the point where, yeah, you're so focused on just the, your notes that you're not actually going out and trying to do the work. I could definitely see myself doing that, but well, scouting's half the fun for me. I like just getting out and running around and seeing what I can find. Yeah, I like I like the scouting part too. I like being able to find the birds, especially when you can get to a place where, you know, you're not seeing much birds anywhere else, and you know you've kind of scoured across the maps and Google Earth and on X and. You know, you find a little pothole somewhere and you walk up on it and it's just absolutely covered up. And I think that's a little bit more rewarding than having a whole limit of birds across the front of the boat sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's 
the limit of birds is just a bonus is for sure. It's doing the scouting and getting out there. And I like just watching ducks work. Just gets my heart going. Yeah, I think, you know, scouting's one of my most favorite parts. I do love to pull the trigger, I'm not going to lie. But I think my favorite part, personally, is watching a dog work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's very rewarding watching that dog do what they love to do, for sure. So how many people are you going to have hunting with you in the morning? Um, as far as I know, it's just going to be me and my dad. Um, a buddy of mine that I hunt with quite a bit, his wife actually just had surgery. So he's kind of out wrangling his kids this weekend while she recovers and then let's say my grandpa he used to come a lot but as he gets a little older getting in and out of the boat's been kind of difficult i know my dad was going to talk to him but i don't think he'll be coming it's always a good time to be able to get out there and spend the time with your dad though oh absolutely like he's he's definitely the one that gave me the obsession for chasing ducks so uh it's fair to say that he's probably just as obsessed as you are then Oh, yeah, for sure. I might be passing him up a little bit, but he's he's not shy of it at all. He he loves it just as much as I do. And I know you do a lot of fishing, but do you do any kind of other hunting? Do you deer hunt up in Iowa at all? Uh, yeah, deer hunt. I started getting into bow hunting a couple years ago. So a lot of times what I do is I'll duck hunt in the morning. I'll go home, I'll get lunch, I'll take a nap, whatever, and then I'll go bow hunting out in the afternoon. And then uh, do a little uh, gun hunting with deer. And mainly just do that to hunt with my grandpa. That's one thing he still does. He goes out and we hunt uh, one of the gun seasons here. And I just recently, um, during COVID actually, when I was laid off from work, started getting into turkey hunting in the spring. And I really kind of fell in love with that. But that, you know, do the same kind of thing as duck hunting. You do the scout and you try to find where they're roosting, you know, all that and getting them to work and come in and come to the call it's it's a rush for sure yeah i think uh hearing that old thunder chicken fire up in the morning is is really close to, <laughs> to duck hunting uh it gets you just it's, as it's fired up it's, it's pretty close and so with all the other hunting you know I, I would assume that waterfowl hunting is probably number one for you Oh, for sure. If I could, if I had to pick one type of hunting deep for the rest of my life, it'd be duck hunting, hands down, no questions asked. Ten times out of ten. And so, where are you up there in the flyway? You know, you're you're pretty far up there still, at least from you know a bird's perspective. Those birds going all the way down to the Gulf Coast. Uh, how do those birds respond as far as decoy spreads and calling? Do you use a lot of spinners and are you calling these birds a lot? Um, I try not to call too much. I mean, it, not to be a cliche, but you see a lot of the guys on social media and they're just hammering on them. You know, you'll hear guys across the marsh just hammering on calls. But I think it pays to be a little bit different. I try to do, if I'm calling at all, a little bit softer, more feed and chuckle than really quacking at them. And I use a whistle quite a bit, like mallard drake calls, widgeon, stuff like that. And as far as spinner, um, it really, it depends on what, what the pressure's like. You know, everybody and their brother around here's got them. And we use them often, but I definitely see if you're getting birds that are staying in the area, it almost makes them shy away from your decoys, so we tend to pull them. And as far as, like, decoy spreads go, I try, you know, when I'm getting out scouting, I'm trying to make you know, a mental note of what I see when the birds are sitting on the water and try to mimic that as much as I can with my decoy spread. And that's a good point you make there because that's another thing I don't think a lot of people actually do is try to mimic what they see birds doing. You know, there's a lot of decoy spreads online and some of them work. You know, everybody knows the old J-hook. I've, uh, I've killed a mini bird on top of a J-hook with, with ducks. Uh, but I've also killed a, a mini bird, you know, just having pods of different species out. Um, and I know there's a lot of decoy spreads that, you know, people have passed down throughout history that really don't work at all, in my opinion. But that, that's a that's a good point you made is trying to mimic what the birds are doing sitting on the water. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as like arranging decoys, for us anyway, I feel like it makes a bigger difference when you're hunting geese to have that kind of open hole for them to land in. 
geese, for us anyway, they seem to, they'll always stop short of the decoys. Whereas ducks, I know I've had good luck just not worrying about what shape they're in. I just throw them out and make sure there's plenty of room in between each decoy that if they want to come in and try to land, they have room to land amongst, amongst the decoys. And that seems to work the best for me. And do you have a, uh, uh, on your spread, you know, I know later season you get mostly mallards. Do you have a certain concentration of one species that you're using more than the other? Definitely. I throw out more mallard decoys than anything else. And I always, I always try to throw out a few pintail decoys because they tend to have, you know, more white on them. I feel like it gets their attention a little bit better, especially on sunny days. And then so just if I'm seeing a lot of smaller ducks, I'll take, you know, mallard or widgeon and gadwall decoys and let as many mallard decoys. If I'm seeing, you know, only mallards around, I'll take mostly mallard decoys. And then I always have a couple Canadian decoys with. If nothing else, I feel like it adds some confidence to them. You know, all, all the ducks seem to like geese, hanging around geese. And... Are you harvesting many Canadians over water? Or is that later in the year once it's time to get to the field? Um, if they're around, mainly on the water, we catch them when they're coming back from feeding. Um, so we'll catch them, you know, they'll be coming for like a mid-morning low. And we'll catch them then. Um, like I said, last weekend was opening weekend for geese here. And none of the places I have permission for have been picked. The cattle pasture we used to hunt every year, I kind of got pushed out of that. I don't really know why. Um, they used to pile in there, and we go hunt them out there every opening weekend. The last two years, we've been strictly water opening weekend, and then later in the year, we'll start hunting them in cornfields more as the water's freezing up and they're really looking to lay on the feed and fatten up to move south. And as far as, like, the pursuit of a bird goes, do you prefer the geese over ducks, or do you prefer ducks over geese? I prefer ducks over geese. I know a lot of guys, it seems to be more and more going towards the geese. Um, but for me, I don't know. There's just something special about watching ducks. They swing and the way they work. I just, uh, I love ducks, man. Everything about them just excites me. And you mentioned you were married. Does the, uh, or getting married, does the, the fiance ever come out and hunt with you? Uh, we actually, we are married. Um, we got married last fall so labor day was our one year anniversary and she's when we first started dating she would kind of go with and tag along um she ended up getting her hunter safety i think the second year we were dating and she got a goose and a couple ducks and since then i mean with the weather's nice she comes out if i'm not leaving the house too early she doesn't like you know she won't she's not a fan of sleeping at the boat ramp in the pickup and leaving the ramp at midnight and being out in the cold um, the last two years, she's got a different job now, and she works a different schedule. But Saturday is the only day that we both have off. But she'll come hunting on a Saturday every once in a while. But... And sleeping at the ramp and at the, you know, like you're you're going to hang out till midnight tonight, I assume, right? So, yeah. do you guys have do you have to do that a lot, or uh, is it only open in the morning? Um, most of the time it's only open in the morning. Um, and then it really, so pheasant season will open towards the end of October. Once pheasant season opens, the duck hunting pressure seems to really drop off. More guys are out pheasant hunting or they're bow hunting. And we have a week in there where there's a muzzleloader season that a lot of guys hunt. So as we get farther into duck season, the amount of hunters around definitely seems to go down. But it's usually the first couple weekends I'll do it. And after that, it's, you know, I'll, I'll leave the house at 2, 2.30 a lot of times. And most of the time I don't have a problem getting to the spot I want to be in. Yeah, that's, uh, like I said, around here, man, opening morning is almost a pain. It's like an experienced duck hunter almost doesn't want to go opening morning around here because it's, you have to camp out a couple days ahead of time and yeah, it's not just, you know, parking and waiting at the boat ramp. 
Like you've got to drive out there in the boat and sleep in the boat a couple nights. <laughs> and that, yeah. uh, that gets miserable. Yeah. I mean, if I could, I would probably be back in the boat. And as soon as we get done here, like I said, you know, blinds and decoys are not allowed on the water until midnight. So midnight rolls around. I'm stepping the boat off the trailer and heading out. And then I took a nap for a couple hours laying in the bottom of the boat and get up and start throwing out decoys and wait for sun up. And I said, your dad's going to be joining you. Do you wait for, does he come in the morning and you come back and get him or? Um, he actually brings his own boat. Um, we both run a dog and it just, since I've had my own boat, we've always just taken both our boats. And then it allows us to kind of, you know, carry a more diverse decoys. We have more, a little bit more room. We're not so packed in. Oh, and you're talking about the hot spot we did earlier, at least your hot time frame of the year. I was, uh, I was actually thinking about, you know, maybe stopping there on the way back down from up north mid next month. Uh, I don't know if you still think it'll, it might be a good time. Of course, we'll go around your work schedule, but. What do you think about like a, a mid to late October hunt? Mid to late October should be pretty good, as long as all the birds haven't fed out and moved on. Um, that that typically is around our best time of year, around Halloween, you know, end of October, early November. A lot of times by Thanksgiving we're starting to freeze up up here, so it it really gets tough then. But no, that that time frame late October could be fairly decent hunting. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see. I've uh, So we freelance everywhere up and down the flyway, um, especially the Mississippi, a little bit more getting into the central flyway uh, since, you know, Arkansas, Mississippi have been, has kind of uh, gone down our list just because of all the pressure the last few years. But um, Iowa's just another one. I, I never got the chance or, or thought to stop in. Uh, you know, we, we don't look or when we go places, we don't look at a lot of WMAs or managed lands. We like to go out on on lakes and and reservoirs and kind of try to rough it and go down rivers. Um, and I just I never saw anything in Iowa that, except for you know some frontage along the Mississippi that looked like it would be very very promising. Yeah, that's that's one thing I haven't done yet. I've threatened to do it for several years now. I'd like to get over around the Mississippi and try to hunt a couple weekends over there. Um, around here, I mean, there's not a lot of big areas to go. I mean. Within an hour of home, my longest boat ride is 10 minutes. And it, you know, it's just nothing. You're not running half hour down river or through the timber or anything like that. But we, as long as there's birds around, there's plenty of area to hunt and plenty of spots to check on them. Yeah, I just, uh, I'll have to pull it up and look at a map a little more and just, you know, see how it goes. But, you know, I imagine just being in between. You know Minnesota and Missouri, right? So it's uh, right. it's got a, those are the, those are two great states. Missouri's probably turned into one of the biggest duck hunting states the last five ish years. Um, you know, it just makes sense. There's probably some good numbers of birds there at some point. Right? Yeah they they definitely come through here. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I've got buddies that live in Missouri, and they're that's one thing I I really need to get back down there and hunt with those guys again. They, I get Snapchats all the time. They get on the birds pretty good in some of the areas they hunt. They live in uh, northeast Missouri near the Kirksville area. Yeah, I've got an old family friend that uh, he, he lived up in Ewing, Missouri for a long time. And he used to tell me stories about just being able to walk out the back door in the fall and just look at the huge migration flights of geese come through. And do you see anything like that up in your neck of the woods? Do you see migrators just fly down? Oh, absolutely. Geese especially. Um, you know, I talked to the guy in southwest Missouri. I listened to that one the other day, and he was talking about, you know, you don't see it a whole lot with ducks. I'd, I'd definitely say the same holds true here. It's like one day you wake up, and there's just ducks everywhere. And then you wake up, and they're just gone. You don't ever see the mallards migrating through. You, know, you might see one or two groups that are way up in the clouds, all in tail south. The geese, though, I mean, especially later in the year, you can sit out and watch flock after flock after flock go over some years. 
And some years they show up and they stay until they're out of food. Like I said, that rock quarry by my house, there's been years where there's been thousand plus geese roosting in that rock quarry. So my dad, the way his house is set up, he's got a patio door that faces that quarry. So he'll sit there at night and watch what direction they're going, and then we'll go scout based on that. But Do you guys see any specks as well, or is it mostly Canada's? Mostly Canada's. Um, I've, I've never shot a speck. I've never seen one close. We've had a few fly over and then heard a few. Um, they come through a lot in the spring when they're migrating back north. And I really wish they would come through in the fall. That's really high on the bucket list of birds I'd like to get put put down, put on the wall. And you know, I hear a lot of guys say they're really good eating. Snow geese, same way. Um, really don't see a lot of snow geese coming through my area in the spring. You'll see a flock or two. You know, hear about a guy that went out and shot a bunch. Um, my dad's been hunting this area for, you know, he's mid-50s now, and he's been hunting it since he was in, you know, school with my grandpa. And I think he's only ever shot two or three snows or blues around home, and I don't think he's ever shot a speckle belly around here that I know of. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. I, I don't do a lot of speck hunting myself. I've The only places I've ever seen specks, I've seen huge speck feeds in West Tennessee, um, and I've seen huge migration flights of specks while I was at Real Foot Lake. Um, okay. And then the, the only other place I've seen big speck numbers have been Arkansas. And it's like those two states are the only ones that I've seen a lot of specks at. And that's, you know, being in Minnesota, uh, you know, being in Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas. Uh, and I haven't seen really any more specks outside of those two states. Yeah, it's. Um, that and we're we're getting to have a few sandhill cranes around, hanging around. You'll you'll see them or you'll hear them quite often out in the marshes. That's another one that I'd like to travel somewhere and get my hands on a few of them. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, I've got a an episode coming with a uh, Dirty Texas uh, Outfitters. They're uh, out in West Texas and they they specialize just in sandhill cranes. So yeah, I've been I've. Ever since I heard ribeye of the sky, I've been itching to go out there and get on some cranes myself. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a crazy kind of noise, and it looks just like a dinosaur coming down from the sky. Is what I've seen in these videos. Oh, absolutely. That's the you know, it's something I can't shoot at home. I'd really love to get into some, and I'd, I'd really like to get in somewhere and get a swan tag. That's another one that's pretty high on the list. Well. Yeah, so for the first time this year, North Carolina, which is the state just above us, we do a little bit of hunting up there as well. Those guys, are, you can draw a tag for Swan in North Carolina now, and that's the closest state for us, you know, by a few hundred miles that you're able to do that. Is that we? I just, Go ahead. I was just going to say, man, I uh, so this this last house we purchased, we purchased an entire estate. Um, there was an old duck hunter, old waterfowler that had the place and it just, it's, a, uh, it was just the perfect place for us. Um, right here on the river round home, um, a waterfowler had it and he actually had a swan on the wall mounted and it took up the entire wall. Oh yeah. I, I keep threatening to tell my wife that if I ever get one, I'm going to get it mounted with wings cups and I'm going to hang it right over our bed. She doesn't seem too keen on that idea, but <laughs> I, keep telling her I don't blame her. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a bunch of taxidermy myself, man. But that swan, that was just he. So he didn't have it cupped up. He had the wings actually spread, and it was uh, okay. It looked like a yeah, it looked like a C one thirty just right there on the wall. Yeah, they are they are huge, and we get we have a lot of trumpeter swans getting to be around this area. And I keep telling my dad, you know, someday, someday I'm gonna be able to hunt hunt a trumpeter swan. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but. And we have a couple of them that are on. They have neck collars still. But when they were starting to bring them back, so you'll see them. You'll be out laying in a cornfield, and they'll come five feet over top of you. And it, you know, you're almost worried they're going to hit you. They're just huge going over top of you. Yeah, it's uh, it'd be interesting to see, man. But I think we've touched on everything as far as conditions go, the birds you're seeing so far, man. I think the only other thing I like to ask guests to do uh, before we close it out, if you could share 
that kind of most memorable hunt you have one that you said you know one maybe that has you hooked or got you hooked and that one if you could you would relive over and over again um my most memorable hunt probably i mean i was already well hooked by this point would have been 2017 and we were supposed to go down to missouri my dad myself and then one of the buddies he was in the army with from south dakota we were all going to hook up and go to Missouri with our other friends down there. It just didn't really work out for whatever reason. We ended up staying home, and we got into a cornfield that we had seen a bunch of mallards working the night before, and they were actually roosting right across the road from this cornfield. And it, I mean, it was like the stuff you watch on TV. It was super foggy. I mean, we had decoys at like 20 yards, and from where I was sitting, I couldn't see the other end of the decoy spread. When my dad was sitting, he couldn't see the end of the decoy spread I was on. The fog was that thick. And it was, you know, you'd hear mallards. You know, you couldn't even tell what direction it was coming from because it was all around you. It was wings, and you could hear drakes, you know, doing what they do, hens quacking, the feeding chuckle, all of it. And then, you know, all of a sudden, there'd be 30, 40 of them coming out of the fog, landing in the decoys. And, you know, just, it would all break loose. You'd start shooting. And then 10 minutes later, they'd be coming right back into the decoys. And we ended up getting our, our three-man limit of mallards win, like, 45 minutes. That was one. I mean, if I could live that one over and over again, as much as I love hunting the water, that is probably the best duck hunt I've ever been on. Oh, man. Yeah. You played me with that story. You told me you were a water hunter, and you, you tell me a dry field story. Oh, I don't have any stories like that on the water, really. We've had really good days, but that was that was almost just surreal. Like it was, almost didn't believe it was happening. It was so cool. That's awesome, man, to be able to see something like that. And but thank you for sharing for sure. But stories like that make you know makes me double think. Maybe I should get in the field one day. But I don't know. Maybe maybe that day will come. You come up in October. We can, you know we can look into doing that. We can maybe go out shoot some ducks in the morning and try to hook a cornfield for geese in the afternoon too. Yeah, we can, we'll definitely give it a try. We'll see what, what everything holds when it comes time to get up there. We'll work those details out for sure. Absolutely. Well, all right, brother, I'm going to, I'm going to get off of here. I'm going to go grab some dinner. I hope you, you're able to get some dinner yourself. Uh, oh, yeah. Hopefully you already ate before you got out there. I ate before I left and I brought snacks with, so I should be good to go. But I hope you get on them in the morning. Definitely send me some Snapchats and keep me posted, man. Oh, will do. Absolutely. All right, brother. Well, good luck and be safe. Thank you for doing it, and I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Nice talking to you. You too, brother. Bye.